Hi, my name's Greg Goodman. I'm going to talk to you today about an article we wrote for the Aesthetic Surgery Journal called Aspiration Before Tissue Filler, an exercise in futility and unsafe practice. I speak for myself, my co-authors, Mark Magnuson, Peter Callan, Stefania Roberts, Sarah Hart, Frank Lynn, Ekram Rahman, Cara McDonald, Stephen Liu, Kath Porter, Neef Cordiff and Michael Clegg. Finally, we shall place the sun himself at the centre of the universe, a quote by Nicholas Copernicus. In the time of Nicholas Copernicus, it was a widely held but scientifically incorrect belief that the earth lay at the centre of the universe. Just as this belief was widely held, it does not make it so. There's a similar belief system today amongst practitioners who rely on the value of aspiration before filler injection, where an absence of dem demonstrable um, evidence does not seem to be an impediment to its continued teaching. Given that decisions of considerable importance, injection of an embolism or a static bolus uh, intravascularly, are made on the validity of a negative finding, it behooves us to examine its practice. Aspiration has long been considered a safety measure and is mentioned in many consensus documents. Many opinion leaders continue to teach it to ascetic practitioners as a requirement before injection. Belief in the importance of aspiration is predicated on the following structural concepts. One, the, the instrument is placed in a desired position for injection and thereafter not moved from this point. Two, once in position, the aspiration is performed and the result, positive or negative aspiration, determines whether or not to proceed with injection. Three, if the aspiration test is negative, then it is deemed to be safe to proceed with injection, but movement is not permitted from that point. And four, if the aspiration is positive, then the needle or cannula should be repositioned. This also sounds very plausible, yet the literature and real-world experience would indicate that it is intrinsically flawed. Hence, this integrative review aims to, to investigate whether the technique of aspiration confers any safety to the practitioner and the patient against inadvertent intravascular injection of hyaluronic acid. The authors have no conflicts of interest to declare. Let's look at all these points in an individual basis in more extensive detail. The one, the instrument must be placed in a desired position for injection and not move from this point. The assumption posed by this concept is that following a negative aspiration, a safe injection of filler is guaranteed if the instrument is held exactly in place. Some further aspects flow from this concept. A, that one cannot move at all times from this position or else risk moving the instrument into a vessel. A practitioner must, also, must therefore decide whether he is going to follow contradictory techniques of injection, either moving or aspirating. One cannot hold both positions. Reliance on aspiration requires no movement, yet movement is promoted by many consensus groups as a safety, significant safety procedure. Movement of the instrument in and out of vessels is believed to reduce the chance of inadvertently injecting an embolic bolus of filler within a single vessel. With continuing movement, filler is injected within a vessel and that and if a filler is injected in that vessel, it should be small enough to dissipate fairly harmlessly in the circulation. Theoretical facial anatomy accompanied by a negative aspiration neither offers evidence for stationary injection nor further protection against intravascular injection. There is so much variability in, in facial vasculature, both within facial planes, but also between these layers. An understanding of anatomical vascular patterns 
at the depth of injection will help substantially, but there are flaws in total reliance on depth, as been shown in a few articles that will be discussed further in this review. The concept of movement as a safety manoeuvre is based on the undeniable fact that we are in and out of vessels all the time, as evidenced by bruising, um, as evidenced by uh, by bruising on a daily basis, which is so so commonplace. Movement has be, has been commonly used over the years for retrograde and anti-grade filling, ferning, fanning, and linear threading techniques. The calibre of most uh, named facial art, facial vessels is only in the order of one to two millimetres, and movement would likely be a likely means of a fleeting intravascular presence unless the vessel is cannulated. It is possible to achieve a depot in one area without delivering a static bolus by using small amplitude movements, even a couple of millimetres of oscillation, within the plane chosen for injection. And when injection on bone, when injecting on bone, this may be enhanced by a non-vertical angle with a bevel down facing towards the bony plane to reduce the chance of needle bevel occupying multiple tissue facial planes, which has been shown in a few articles, and enabling the practitioner to move the needle if they choose to do so in the injecting process in the same facial plane. This movement would reduce the chance of a large inadvertent intravascular bolus of filler, thus limiting potential ramifications such as visual loss. B, that one must deliver the bolus precisely in that position. If the bolus must be delivered in a static position, we are relying on the predictive power of negative aspiration. At present, there are no studies that point to this being a reliable technique. The potential catastrophic outcome of a false negative aspiration is an injection of a substantial amount of intravascular filler with possible resultant embolic consequences to the skin, deep facial structures, eye, lungs or brain. If we add a rapid injection at high pressure to this procedure, then this bolus becomes very dangerous indeed as it may progress through the circulation back to the central retinal arteries and the other retinal arteries and into the internal carotid circulation. See that if one takes on this as a belief, it should be something that one does in any and every area of injection. First, there is the impracticality of this approach to consider. Practitioners who are, on the one hand, vocal for their support of staying still in only in one position, really follow this concept when injecting others, such as lips. In mobile structures such as lips, it would be thoroughly impractical, if not impossible, to be aspirating and staying still with every injection point. Similarly with cannula, this concept is impractical and not utilised as the movement of the cannula is used in a preference to staying still in a desired area. Secondly, it is commonly stated that one should reach the periosteum, settle there and perform aspiration. Of course, this only works when there is periosteum at the injection point. This is not, in, not possible in, in areas such as the perioral area and not desirable over bony foramina. Cadaver studies have suggested that periosteal needle placement may in fact not have the accuracy it was once assumed. Cadaver studies have shown that a relatively vertical injection to the periosteum may cause intravascular injection through multiple mechanisms. Currently, the most commonly taught injection technique is to place the needle on the periosteum vertically before injection at depth. Both cannulas and needles are capable of piercing vessels and initiating embolism. Once this, hap- once this occurs, the following intravascular scenario may occur despite perceived periosteal inverted commas safe placement. 
One, an impacted vessel may be dragged to the bone by the needle. The needle, once on bone, may finally puncture the displaced vessel and fill it with hyaluronic acid. In this instance, there will be a, pos a possibility of a positive aspiration test. A second possibility is that the needle may have skewered and passed through the vessel, leaving a tract of low resistance alongside the, the needle extending down the bone. This would allow filler to spread along the tract of low resistance back to the impaled vessel. Positive aspiration in this scenario is unlikely. The third possibility is that the length of the vessel bevel may induce unexpected intravascular injection, even with periosteal needle placement. In cadaver studies, vertical placement of the needles have been shown to allow filler to be present in multiple layers, including the dangerous muscular lamella. This is maybe due to the bevel length, which reaches up to 2 millimetres for a 25-gauge needle, down to 1 millimetre for a 30-gauge needle. This may allow filler to be deposited not only at the tip, but also along the, the length of the bevel, with retrograde flow again up the track left by the needle. Some filler may be in contact in the correct layer, but the more superficial um, reaches of the bevel may be in a vessel. In older people, this is a, uh, a reasonably common scenario in thin-skinned areas. In this situation, a positive aspiration may or may not be possible. A fourth possibility is that the needle or cannula is blocked either by the wall of the vessel being sucked into the instrument opening or the vessel collapsing during the aspiration manoeuvre and despite being intravascular, a flashback is prevented. Two, this is belief number two. Once in position, aspiration is performed and the finding may be relied upon to proceed or not with injection. A series of articles led to questioning the value of negative aspiration as an assurance of safety. In theory, negative aspiration, if it were reliable, would assure that the injector was not in a vessel and ensure safe injection of the, of the product. However, many concerns have been expressed in recent papers. The findings of these papers are summarised as below. Firstly, uh, a rapid one-second injection pull and release method does not allow sufficient time for removal, for removal of the intraluminal filler material versus a long five-second pull and release method. The rapid uh, method may uh, give rise to false negative results in vitro and possibly in vivo. Um, second, that an aspiration of ink from a beaker was only positive in 53% of fillers using uh, supplied needle syringes, but became more frequently positive at larger bore needles. Of course, these are unlikely that uh, people would actually use the larger bore needles rather than the ones supplied with the injection material. Uh, three, in the most comprehensive studies, 24 fillers were investigated with 11 different needle sizes. Two bags were pressurised to 150 millimetres of mercury to simulate or exceed arterial blood pressure, which would be higher in, than in vivo uh, situations, especially for small facial arteries. One bag in, uh, contained ringer solution with a blue dye and the other anticoagulated blood. Of the overall 340 aspiration tests, only 112 yielded, yielded positive aspirations with one second aspiration and 212, 63%, after 10 second aspiration. When these needles supplied by the manufacturers were used, aspiration was positive in 37% with one second aspiration and 74% with a 10 second aspiration. Uh, fourthly, in a small in vitro study of 10 commonly used fillers, Studied, when they studied pullback time to flash using anticoagulated blood and evacutainer tubes, 
uh, with two um, pullback volumes of 0.2 and 0.5 mils were compared, they gave 20 aspirations, a, a total of 20 aspirations. Widely varied results were found with no filler exhibiting a flash below a two-second pull and some requiring a 10-second pull and some requiring 20-second pull uh, and one not, requ- not exhibiting a flash at all. Uh, lastly, a small in vitro study using cannulae in the forearm vein measured aspiration time of 10 fillers with aspiration pullbacks of 0.2 and 0.5 mils uh, and giving a total of 20 observations. Aspiration of 0.5 to 10.5 seconds were noted. The issues around positive aspiration and around negative aspiration in the safety manoeuvre can be summarised as follows. A. Insufficient negative pressures may lead to a false negative aspiration, especially in smaller vessels. The thickness and the G prime of the filler may likewise prevent ac- accurate aspiration. As there are so many low-pressure facial vessels, it is likely that many times the needle will enter one of these and may result in three potential issues. Firstly, especially essentially quick pullback aspiration will have insufficient pressure to, uh, to the filler column to filler the, um, and bring it back into the syringe on aspiration. Secondly, it is possible that a small colour vessel may collapse under the pressure of an attempted aspiration and reopen when the pressure is released. Um, thirdly, that after reassuring negative aspiration, subsequent bolus uh, or embolic injection may allow retrograde filling of the smaller upstream uh, arteries leading to major vessels. On reaching significant vessels, the downstream flow may, um, may block the intricate uh, tributaries producing tissue embolic ischemia. In rare cases with pressure on the plunger and bolus formation, retrograde flow may progress to the ophthalmic artery system or beyond. At the release of the plunger, the filler column may reverse direction with the re-establishment of the normal arterial ophthalmic flow and opening all the ophthalmic tributaries, including the central retinal arteries and ciliary vessels. Maintaining precise hand position is required after negative aspiration as even minor changes can shift the needle position into an intravascular plane. This is particularly relevant in aspirating for a long time and considerable pressure is exerted to enhance the possibility of positive aspiration. The, positive, the aspiration manoeuvre uh, performed as a single or a double-handed movement inevitably shifts the instrument uh, such that the tip of the, the position of the, at the end of the manoeuvre is not the same as the, at the initiation. Furthermore, studies conducted in vitro do not take into account movement by the recipient of the injection interaction. Patient movement, even minute um, reactive or mimetic movements such as head turning, grimace, flinch or vocalisation, will also shift the tissue planes relative to the needle tip. Finally, it's important that to realise that a one mils um, syringe only allows limited pullback anyway. Um, Currently, deep injections on bone are considered safe practice in the mid-face, deep piriform fossa and temple, and bypass the middle lamella where mimetic and masticatory muscles and major vessels are found. However, in the mid-face, foramina are seen in the supraperiosteal uh, plane, and cadaver studies have uh, highlighted the relevance of these, these issues. Uh, vertical needle plate, um, insertion may lead to multiple-layer injection involving more superficial vasculature, uh, injecting a static bolus after negative aspiration may still cause tissue infarction or fill small vessels like supertrochlear artery. In a cadaver study, volumes as low as 0.04 mils was sufficient to fill the supertrochlear artery from the gabella uh, to the central retinal artery takeoff point. 
Um, although larger ve uh, bore vessels are considered beneficial for decreasing false negative aspiration, the longer bevel length poses potential problems due to the likelihood of entering uh, multiple layers on vertical injection. This holds true especially for thin tissues such as the nose and the forehead, but also deeply vulnerable uh, vessels in the temple. Um, priming or not priming a needle is also discussed in the literature. It was seen that priming a needle it will lead to a more direct transmission of pressure in a hydraulic sense, but not priming uh, removes the need to suck the intraluminal filler back up the needle. This allows this may allow a vacuum to form in the hub, which will fill with vessel quickly if the needle if the vessel is impaled or transited. Relying on an unprimed needle would obligate the injector to withdraw after every injection point and replace the needle with another unprimed needle. In addition to its impracticality of relying on unprimed needles, if one is committed to this technique, it would tempt the practitioner to concentrate on bolus um, injection to limit how many needles and injection points were to be utilised. Relying on unprimed needles or fewer needles that enable effective aspiration adds nothing to the validity of the aspiration concept. So discussion. With the rapid growth of soft tissue filler injections with now, with now number in the millions annually, rare but serious adverse effects was um, seen by <clears throat> many aesthetic practitioners. It's incumbent on the medical fraternity uh, to have well-educated and informed experts able to guide less experienced injectors in safe tissue and uh, safe tissue practices. Um, there are many injection strategies that will minimise the chance of intravascular event. And in a consensus meeting held in September 2018, nine concepts for optimising safety and avoiding intravascular events and consequent visual loss were elucidated and agreed upon. An understanding of anatomy takes primacy. Self-education by the, by the practitioner not only extends to product use and placement, but must extend to a thorough knowledge of facial anatomy, especially injection anatomy. This particularly entails adequate vascular anatomy knowledge. However, the vascular supply is quite variable in its anastomoses and patterns. The one, rel one relative but, but not immutable constant is the depth of the vascular supply, but a total reliance on understanding, um, on understanding anatomy is always, always potentially flawed. Danger areas such as the glabella, forehead, nose pose particular risk for skin and eye complications because of their very thin tissue planes and the intimate relationship to the ophthalmic artery system. These areas exhibit a high risk of intravascular accident with needle injection as the bevel may, follow, may allow the filler to occupy many layers. The issue is confounded by filler backtrack traveling along the, the track left by the needle or cannula. And if the injection uh, into the vessel has been pierced, it may take a route to many layers um, flowing around that vessel. Other numerous articles note limitations on the reliance of aspiration. The advice was, was usually that practitioners using this technique should understand its limitations. However, this consensus group went further in their advice and advised that aspiration was not only considered to be a, a not a safe to be not considered to be a safe practice and recommended against its use as a safety measure. Reasons for this have been explained through this article. To encapsulate these arguments, a false negative aspiration may occur during due to vessel collapse, movement from the initial position into a vessel after an aspiration manoeuvre, or difficulty with clearing the filler from the needle. This will prevent uh, blood, blood flash and is affected by the product rheology factors 
and the size of needles, duration of force and retraction pressure. Negative aspiration may unfortunately cement the idea that a, patient, that a practitioner is safe despite the fact they may in fact be, have moved into a vessel and not realised it. They will then try to not to move the vessel and possibly go on to inject a column of filler or a significant embolic bolus um, into a vessel. The, the group felt that, it was, that uh, not only was aspiration not reliable but stood in the way of other strategies that are deemed more reliable. It was felt that continued movement of the, of the instrument and limiting bolus size to microboluses of less than 0.1 mils were important. Movement is particularly important even in the, periost- in the periosteal plane. And, con- and combined with slow injection and low, re- low extrusion pressure are considered essential in avoiding intravascular events of large volumes. The fact that just because one can aspirate does not justify the attempt to do so and false negative aspirations um, assumptions this may lead to. The argument I aspirate because I can't do any harm and it gives me some information simply uh, does not stand up to scrutiny for reasons discussed in this article. Still some will continue to do it citing the occasional positive aspiration as proof of of the practice is sound. Karl Popper, one of the last century's great philosophers and conceptual thinkers, is worthy of quoting in this context. Science must begin with must begin with myths, uh, and with criticism of myths. And if we are uncritical, we shall f- always find out what we want. We shall look for and find confirmations, and look away from and not see what might be dangerous in our pet theories. Popper in his theory of falsibility and and verifiability would contend that a single false negative aspiration would falsify the theory that aspiration works, notwithstanding all the positive aspirations that are positive or reported. The decision of needle versus cannula is difficult. It would appear that needles are safer in certain sites and cannulas than others. Cannulae are overrepresented in cases of blindness, um, and even large cannulae have been the culprit in intravascular injection episodes. In general, smaller needle sizes and larger cannulas are recommended, although no cannula would appear safe in nasal injections. Cadaver studies suggest that uh, if the cannula is placed at correct depth, it does, it does tend to deposit its um, material in that layer. Elegant methods were, dis- were have been described for their use. The use of cannulas, although blunt, um, include the following issues. If the gauge is narrow, a cannula can act like a needle in its ability to pierce blood vessels. Um, vessels are relatively stabilised at certain points, such as vascular junctions, or embedded in scar tissue, or emerging from foramina. Vessels are more like liable to be cannulated at these points. Even the widest cannulas are smaller in diameter than some facial vessels, and have been responsible for intravascular injections. A cannula may pass through a vessel, and backtracking of filler may occur with retrograde injections. Several cases of um, of blindness. And pulmonary embolism um, due to suspected intravascular embolisation of fillers has been suggested where cannulas are employed. It follows that it may be more difficult to get into a vessel with a cannula, but it may be also more difficult to get out of a vessel once it's entered. Conclusion. In conclusion, injectors should consider all mechanisms for avoiding intravascular complications. The choice of the implanted tool, either cannula or needle, would not guarantee as safety. It is also important to realise that aspiration may result in false negative, in a false negative. Aspiration by its nature disallows two other important safety measures, that of movement and avoidance of static bolus formation. 
Recent literature would suggest that rather than reliance aspiration, avoidance mechanisms such as continuing movement when injecting slow injection speed, low extrusion force and small volumes in conjunction with an in-depth understanding of safer injection planes pertaining to vascular anatomy may mitigate against intravascular accidents. Thank you very much.